Hello and welcome. This is a podcast of UkraineWorld.org. Ukraine World is a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm editor-in-chief. We are approaching the 8th of May, the day of commemoration of victims of World War II. It's important to understand how Ukraine is changing in the way it approaches that tragedy. And let's talk about this with the famous Ukrainian philosopher Vachtan Kivuladze. Good afternoon, Vachtan. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. My first question would be, is there any specific Ukrainian approach to commemorating the World War II? First of all, I would say that, uh, as for me, it's very important to hear the common narration about World War II in all three countries with a liberal democratic political system. But for all Western civilization and for Ukraine as well, the end of this war means the victory of liberal democracy over the Nazism and fascism. And at the same time, for the whole Eastern Europe, and especially for Ukraine, it was the victory of another terrible political regime, Russian communism. For the western part of Europe, the end of the war means peace and freedom. For the eastern part, the deliverance from one form of evil, but at the same time the victory of another one, I mean Soviet Union. So in a way it was not a victory uh, over totalitarianism, right? So it's, it was a victory of one totalitarianism against the other. For us, yeah. Not for a whole Europe, but for this territory, I think so. How does it change our approach to the World War II, to what happened in the post-war uh, world? Oh, it's, it's difficult to answer this question, because uh, on the one hand, uh, we should commemorate the uh, victims of, of their Nazis, and we should understand that uh, one part of the victory is, was uh, Soviet Union. But uh, uh, on the other hand, Soviet Union was also, and till now I, I would say that Russia is uh, the new reincarnation of uh, Soviet Union, and it was also a totalitarian country, totalitarian regime, and that's why it, uh, for us it was very difficult to distinguish uh, between the victory over the Nazi and victory over the communists. It's, it's a tragic paradox of Eastern Europe that... Uh, Basically, I would say that the, the second half of the 20th century in, in Western Europe went through the process of denazification, defascization. And, but, but in Eastern Europe, there was nothing like decommunization in that kind of, of, of spirit, right? So the communism, the Stalin's communism was not that much banned and that much accused of, of crimes that was Nazism and fascism. Do, do you see it as a problem? Absolutely, and that's why uh, this new trend of decommunization is so uh, important for our country. And it's, it's sometimes it's uh, too difficult to explain it for our colleagues in Europe, for example, because they don't understand that the communist here, for us, is the same evil as uh, Nazis in uh, Europe. So. The totalitarianism was far right in Western Europe, yeah. but it was far left in, in Eastern Europe. And that that's creates the whole difference uh, in understanding what, what, what's going on. Is, am I right? Yeah, of course. Coming back to, to the question of commemoration, yeah. right? So you mentioned Russia. And we see in Russia a different approach to it. We see the slogan, we can do it again or we can repeat. So an idea that we can revive this, this victory of a Nazism, project it for, to the future, to the present day. 
And here I would say that comes all those myths about, you know, Ukrainian fascists, etc., etc. Do you see this continuation of, of Russian memory of the World War II? I should say that Soviet Union and modern Russia are not two different countries, but rather two reincarnations of Russian empires, I see. That's why the contemporary Russian commemorations practices of World War II are deeply connected with the official Soviet propaganda and sometimes even become the radical forms of it. I mean this slogan, we can do it again or we can repeat. It is a terrible slogan as for me. What do they want to repeat? Do they really want to kill millions of people and to destroy the best cities of human civilization? Instead of this uh, terrible Russian slogan, the Ukrainian slogan never again. And this slogan gives us a hope that the people all over the world can live in peace. Do I understand you correctly uh, that you are saying basically that the memory of, of the World War II in Russia, in current Russia, in Putinist Russia, is a memory of kind of a repetition, right? Maybe kind of a mythological thinking. We can repeat it, we can do it again. Uh, whereas Ukraine is much more focused right now, not only on this myth of, of victory, but on commemoration of victims. It's not heroic that much, but it also focused on victims. Yes, of course. And it's very important for us because uh, there are two different narr narrations. The Russian narrations, official narrations, is narrations of victory. And our, our narration, Ukrainian narration, is very complicated. Because, as I said, at the same time it's a victory over Nazis, and it, but at the same time it's the victory of, of Russian communism. And for us it was also the tragedy, and I think that uh, it is a tragedy uh, till now. When you see Russian propaganda, you often see that Ukrainians neglect the victory over Nazis. They're saying, well, it was not important, Ukrainian war collaborators, etc. I think what, what you mentioned is much more complicated in the Ukrainian side of the story because in Ukraine we have two days, right? Two holidays. It's the 8th of May together with the Western Europe, the day of commemoration, and 9th of May together with this post-Soviet world, a victory day. So it's a kind of a, how do you estimate it? Is it a kind of a, an attempt to combine commemoration and, and the victory day? that we are trying to say we should commemorate the victims, but at the same time, yes, of course, the victory of a Nazism was so much important and we should stress the, this victory. How do you estimate it? I think that we are in transition period. It's impossible to say now that uh, the second one, the Soviet uh, data, is not important for us, because for many people it's very important. Uh, but we, we go to, to, together with the whole uh, Europe, to this uh, first date, 8th of May, because yeah, uh, as for me it's, it is right, because we should commemorate the victims. As for me it's, it's not a date of, uh, for celebration, because it, it's the end of the tragedy. And another, another question, uh, for example, the end of World War II is not uh, in May, yeah? it is in September. So. What should we celebrate? What should we commemorate? I think that we now in the middle of discussion in our community and in our society about that. 
and we haven't the answers on, on these questions. In which way do you think Ukrainian experience of World War II is similar to that of other countries? In which way it is different? As I said, uh, for whole Europe, uh, the end of the war was the beginning of uh, freedom and peace. For us, it was deliverance from, from the terrible Nazi regime, but at the same time, it was, it was the beginning of the, another period of the communist, communism, totalitarianism uh, on the territory of our country. That's why it is different, because as I said, for example, for people from France, it was the beginning of freedom and peace. And for us, no. Russian propaganda blames Ukraine for collaboration with the Nazis. And it's, of course, it's also the very painful, very difficult page of Ukrainian history, because it's, it's a very difficult question of Ukrainian nationalism of the 30s and the 40s. We can, of course, say that about some sympathies of Ukrainian far nationalists of the late 30s to kind of a Mussolini regime or even Hitler regime. Why? Because they, they have seen that far-left totalitarianism, totalitarianism of the Soviet Union was killing the, uh, the Ukrainian statehood. But then we see the alienation of it, because when Ukrainians proclaim their independence uh, after, after Nazi invasion, Nazis, uh, at the same time, they consider Ukrainian national movement as their enemies. And therefore, many uh, leaders of the nationalist movement ended up in prisons, in camps, or executed. So it's a very complicated story, but the Russian propaganda is much more linear. How would you respond to it? Firstly, uh, I think we should differentiate the soldiers of Ukrainian insurgent army who were fighting against German Nazi and against the Soviet troops as well, and the Ukrainian people who were collaborating with Nazi regime on the territory of Ukraine. Secondly, we should differentiate Ukrainian people who lived on the occupied territory, I mean occupied by Nazi, and had to walk there to live. And there were criminals who, together with German Nazi or Russian communists, killed many civil people. Thirdly, I would like to ask how many Russian people were the members of Vlasov army that was fighting on the side of Nazi troops, and how many Ukrainian people died to deliver the whole Eastern and Central Europe from Nazism and fascism? Well, the figures are that... Uh the number of Russians in the Vlasov army or in the kind of other regiments uh, allying themselves with the Wehrmacht or the Nazi, it's uh, according to different estimates from 200,000 to 1 million. Yeah. Uh, if, if we talk about Ukrainian soldiers who died in the Red Army fighting against the Nazis, it's about 4 million, right? So again, it's, it's, a, it's a question, very complicated question, right? But how, how many Ukrainian people were the member of Ukrainian insurgent army? I think 200,000, not more. Yeah, it's, it's approximately this figure. But uh, what, what is the Ukrainian attitude to that past? Because, I mean, uh, the far-right movements are present in Ukraine. We cannot deny the, the danger. They are not entering the parliament, they are not political forces, and that's what makes Ukrainian far-right nations different from many countries of Europe. They are not political force, but they can be a destabilizing force. And 
to some it sounds circles this ideology or you can call it bandera ideology or don't solve ideology still popular how how what should be our approach to it right now as for me the far right ideologies are dangerous and uh, the far left ideologies are dangerous as well that's why uh, we from the liberal point of view we should be very cautious against the far right ideologies and far left ideologies as well but as you said and that is the point that uh, for example in ukraine the parties with uh, far right ideologies have not a chance to go to parliament and especially after maidan because before maidan svoboda party with not far right ideologies but with right ideologies was uh, in parliament after maidan not and for example in in germany alternative for deutschland a far right party is in parliament now yeah or the case of uh, elections in france or hungary uh, etc that is a question about our far right parties there 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 are not the parties there is a question if we can uh, speak about the far right movement in ukraine i am not sure uh, we can say that uh, there are some people who use the far right slogans or elements of right ideologies but as for me they haven't any political influence on, on the ukrainian policy and politics and it's interesting that uh, if we come to this latest parliamentary election which is on 19 there was a coalition of far right parties of nationalist party i think there was svoboda national corps and the right sector and together together the three major nationalist parties in ukraine they got 2% yeah and they didn't enter the parliament what is interesting now is that the leaders of these far right parties like bilecki or tahnibok they often show up on uh, medvedchuk tv channels the tv channels of viktor medvedchuk who is the the best putin ally in ukraine and basically representing the most pro russian force a question why Uh, it's a rhetorical question so it's it's a question aren't they playing basically a russian game but let me come back to this commemoration and uh, ask a question how ukrainian commemoration practices are related to anti-totalitarian discourse you already mentioned it but let's touch upon this very important question of decommunization which is also a difficult topic in ukraine we can say that but I, my personal opinion that the, the whole idea is correct so we, we should make a kind of a de-totalitarianization of ukraine it doesn't mean that we should get rid of everything communist or everything from the communist tradition because there are many many good things many good things in arts many good things in in social practices in economic resolutions etc but there is a need to do that and probably this decommunization is not going on very well and very i would say accurate i would use a metaphor that when uh, it, there is a need to work with a scalpel it's going sometimes with a hammer but what is your attitude to this process on the one hand i don't agree with you that uh, the decommunization uh, is very rapid uh, in our country i think that we we need more i i i should say 
And I would say that uh, we need not only the decommunization of our streets and of our cities and towns, but we need uh, decommunization of the consciousness of our people. Yeah? And that's why we should start not from the political decisions, but I think we should start from academical discussions about decommunization. And that, that is important uh, to, to write the new books about their different problems with communism here uh, on the territory of Ukraine, about the war criminals who are not only uh, Nazis but uh, the communists as well, to discuss it at first in their academical community, uh, to write the books about that, to write the textbooks for the schools and for the universities about this history. And after that, we, we probably we will be ready for the real decommunization, of, not only of our cities and streets, but also of our consciousness. I think it's very important because to some extent when we talk about corruption, right, when we talk about these vested interests, when we talk about these economic elites, so-called elites who basically captured the Ukrainian economy since the independence, basically they were linked to those communist elites, right? So this decommunization is much deeper process. Thank you so much uh, for this conversation. It was Vahtan Kibuladze, a famous Ukrainian philosopher. We were talking about the commemoration of the World War II and all the processes related to it. It was a podcast of ukraineworld.org. Ukraine World is a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. Stay with us. Mm-hmm.